Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Nostradamus was a noted predictor, maybe something of a prophet. His last words were, tomorrow at sunrise, I shall be no more. And for once, he got something right. When Leonardo da Vinci died, his last words were recorded as being, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Explains why that Mona Lisa painting is so bad. Buddy Rich was a drummer. And uh, when he, uh, he died after surgery in 1987, his last words recorded were those spoken to a nurse as she was prepping him for surgery. The nurse asked Buddy, is there anything you can't take? And he said, yeah, country music. John Wayne, his final words were to his wife. He said to her, of course I know who you are. You're my girl, and I love you. And Union General John Sedgwick, as, as the Confederate Army was approaching, Union General John Sedgwick's last words were, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. That was it. Last words tell us a lot about the speaker. They tell us about their passions. They tell us about maybe their failings. They tell us about their hopes. They tell us about their lack of hope. This past week, we received the news of the brutal beheading of 21 Coptic Christians at the, at the hands of of ISIS and the video that was released which shows their, the blades coming down on their necks. As, as the blades came down, they cried out in unison, Oh my Lord Jesus. The last word on their lips was the name of Jesus. ISIS stated in response, These men insisted to remain in unbelief. <laughs> I saw an interview this week of a brother of two of the men who who had died, and he said he was proud of their declaration of faith. And he said that he was thankful for ISIS. He was thankful that they did not delete the audio, but that everyone heard their testimony. Everyone heard of their faith in Christ. The Gospels record seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. Seven last words. And we are now approaching Easter Probably doesn't feel like that outside yet, but we are approaching Easter. We are approaching the passion and, and the resurrection of that season. And we're going to look at those 
last words of Jesus because these words were not recorded just for those who were present. They were recorded for our sake. And the words we're looking at today are those that, that Sue read for us uh, in that video. The words from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. If you're looking at those Bibles that we have in the seats for you, it's page 884. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, this, this first statement that we're looking at is, is probably the most personal of all of the statements. In some ways, it's the most difficult of all of the seven. We, we talk about forgiveness a lot. We know that forgiveness is important. We also understand just how difficult forgiveness is. And what Jesus shows us from the cross in His prayer for forgiveness what he shows us is something that seems beyond our capability, something that we could never do. And yet, at the same time, we read his words and we realize we are called to this kind of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We hear that, and I, I think the first thing we have to realize is that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. In fact, there was not a single moment of his life, including the time that he spent on the cross, where he moved outside of God's plan. He knew exactly what he was doing. You know, we, we read through the Bible and we read the Christmas story. We, we like to read the Christmas story and we read it and we see prophecy after prophecy that Jesus fulfilled about his birth. He, he fulfilled the prophecy of where he was going to be born, uh, what line, he, what tribe he would come from, who he would be, what he would be like. He fulfilled all of those perfectly. And then we come to the Easter story. And again, there is prophecy after prophecy of, of how he would die, how he would suffer, what he would give for us. And, and even in this prayer here, even in his prayer for forgiveness, we see the fulfillment of prophecy. It's Isaiah who records the prophecy in Isaiah 53, verse 12. It says, Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. 600 years before he was born, 600 years before his birth, Isaiah records uh, what kind of death Christ would, would have, that he would pour out his life, that he would be sentenced to death. He said he was numbered among the transgressors. That meant that he was to be put to death with criminals. And then Luke tells us, Again, 600 years after Isaiah's words were recorded. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isaiah said he made intercession for the transgressors. He made intercession for those who put him to death. And we see that prophecy fulfilled perfectly through Jesus. I really hope you see, though, it, it's not just about the Bible being right. I mean, we like to talk about how the Bible's right. We like to talk about the truth of Scripture over and over again. We like to talk about God being true. We realize, yeah, this is part of His plan. This is what He came all along to do. Whether in life or death, though, I want you to see that His life was about forgiveness. Jesus was about forgiveness. And, and here we see Him pleading. We see Him begging with God for forgiveness for those who were crucifying Him. Father, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do. You know what really bugs me about that prayer? I think they knew exactly what they were doing. They, they knew exactly what they were doing. They know not what they do, really. Really, these guys were professionals. They were professional crucifiers. They, they knew how to crucify someone. They, they knew how to hold him down on the cross. They knew how to stretch out his arms. They knew exactly where to drive the nails in his hands and in his feet. They knew how to put that crown of thorns on his head. They, they knew how to lift him up on that cross. Sounds to me like they knew what they were doing. But what really bothers me more is that when I realized that my own sin sent him to the cross, because I have to admit, more often than not, with my sin, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm doing with my sin. But what Jesus is teaching us here is more than just the, the truth of prophecy, more than just his role in, in fulfilling that by praying for forgiveness on the cross, Jesus is showing us that forgiveness is his standard for this world. It goes beyond just the role that he would play in history. It goes beyond just the plan of salvation, that, that he would be the one who preached forgiveness, that he would be the one who taught forgiveness, that he would be the one that showed forgiveness. This was the standard by he lived by, and it's the standard that he demands of his followers. And if that standard is going to be displayed anywhere, if it's truly a standard to live by, then it's also a standard to die by. It had to be displayed on the cross. You turn back a few chapters, back to chapter 6 of Luke. We have Jesus teaching in, in chapter 6, and he says in, in verse 27, he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either, give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. What he's done here is set a new standard for his followers, a new standard of behavior, a new standard of how we treat other people. He goes on in verse 32 and he says, if you love, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, well, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount over and over again. It's even sinners do that. Even sinners do that. And then he comes to verse 35 and he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Love your enemies. This is the standard for you. This is the standard for me. And so there on the cross, Jesus prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Based on 
the standard to live by, he calls his disciples to the same standard, the standard that he calls his followers to, the standard that he would die for. His prayer is for forgiveness because Jesus came to show us what forgiveness looks like, what forgiveness is all about. And if he couldn't show forgiveness even here on the cross, then his forgiveness wasn't real. So what he does in offering forgiveness on the cross is is not just the fulfillment of prophecy, and it's not just him living up to his own standard, it's him revealing to us our greatest need, and that is the need for grace. We're aware of sin. We're aware of our own sin. We are aware of how we've failed. I mean, Romans 3.23 gets drilled into our heads. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and we read that and we immediately recognize that's us. You know, We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We need forgiveness. We need His grace. And the fact that Jesus could hang on the cross and pray for those who crucified Him means that if He could forgive them, He can forgive us. If He can hang on the cross and forgive those who were crucifying Him, if He could forgive them, then He can forgive us too. Because actually, I don't think He's just praying for them. I think He's praying for us. Because it was our sin that sent Him to the cross. It was our failings. It was our need for grace. And while our sin, our sin, while our sin may have been very intentional, I don't think we realized that we were crucifying Him. And yet there He is on the cross, thinking about you and me, thinking about our sin, in so much pain, and yet offering forgiveness. Forgiveness is only half of our need, though. We, we need forgiveness. Yeah, we need forgiveness. We need, we need grace. But we also need to show forgiveness. We also need to show grace. We need a standard for our lives. As much as sin hurts, as much as it hurts us, as much as we have been hurt by the sins of others, as badly as we want grace for ourselves, as badly as we want forgiveness for ourselves, we need the grace to forgive others as well. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Did you hear that? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How has He forgiven you? How has He forgiven us? Did He forgive us on His best day ever? Is that when He forgave us? Did He forgive us on His, on his best day ever? No, he, he forgave us at His worst, in His greatest hour of pain. You know, it wasn't His best day ever. It wasn't that everything was going perfect with Jesus that day. And so as He was hanging on the cross with life just going perfectly, He thought about you and me and thought, you know what? You get a pass. Yeah, everything's going so well today. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a pass. 
everybody gets one, you're off the hook. Wow. In that worst moment, in that greatest moment of pain, and in a moment when he felt abandoned by, by everyone, including his father, he forgave. It'd be real easy for us to, to look in that moment and say, you know, Jesus, it's okay if you don't want to forgive. It's okay if you don't want to do this. I know it's hard. I know this is really, really difficult. You're having a horrible day, and, and this is really, forgiveness is just asking way too much. Just, just forget about it. Don't worry about forgiving me. In that moment when he was most beaten, in that moment when he was most broken, in that moment when he was hurting, he forgave us. What does it mean to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you? I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it means you can't. I really think it means you can't do it. Not, not on your own anyway. Not because of your own strength. Not because of your own goodness not because you're just a forgiving person. You can only do it because Jesus Christ first forgave us. Not only did He set the standard, but through the life that He gave, He implanted within us the ability to forgive. You see, He gave you His grace so that you could show it to others. We live so that we can forgive. Someone once said, my prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. You hear that? My prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. And I'm just guessing, but <clears throat> I'm just guessing that at some point you may have gotten hurt. At some point, somebody hurt you, somebody done you wrong, and and maybe that person was sorry. Maybe they weren't sorry. But I'm sure of this. If you held on to that bitterness, if you held on to that unforgiveness, if you held on to that hatred, I guarantee you it changed you. If you held on to that, it changed you. But even more, I guarantee you this, if you hold on to His grace, and if you offer His forgiveness, that will change you also. I find great comfort and hope in this realization. If Jesus knew what He was doing on the cross, and, and He did, Jesus knew exactly what He was doing on the cross. He fulfilled God's, perfect, God's purpose perfectly in the most agonizing moment of His life. If He if he knew what he was doing on the cross, then he knows what he is doing with you. If he knew what he was doing on the cross, then he knows what he is doing with you. He knows your potential better than you do. He knows your potential to serve better than you do. He knows your potential to live for him. He knows your potential to forgive. Better than you know that potential. I talk to a lot of people who tell me what they can't do. I talk to a lot of people who tell me what they can't do. They can't forgive. They can't forget. And they got some great reasons for not being able to forgive and forget, too. I mean, they've some very horrible things that have happened. 
But rather than tell God what, what we can't do, why don't we let Him show us what He can do through us? Why don't we stop and say, God, I can't forgive. I can't forget. I can't get past this. You do it through me. And let Him forgive through us. That's really the only way it happens. It doesn't happen because well, we were good people to start with because we weren't. It doesn't happen because, well, we were forgiving people already. No, no. It happens because you let His grace get a hold of you. And you let it change you. And you come to the realization it's not about what I can do or can't do. It's because Jesus paid it all. It's about what He can do. We come to the table not just to remember what happened that night, what happened that day on the cross. We come to the table because this changed everything. Not only did it change us and allow us to be saved, it it changed us and allowed us to be like Him, allowed us to love like Him, allowed us to forgive like Him. We come to the table to bring the body and blood of Jesus Christ into the events of this past week say, yeah, this past week hurt. This past week was tough. But I come to this table and I remember no matter what happens to me, Jesus paid it all. Jesus took care of me. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to sing. The guys are going to come. We're going to uh, take together. Let's pray. Father, we come with we come with a world of hurts. We come knowing that that wrong has happened in our life. We come knowing that People have hurt us. Sometimes sometimes the closest people to us have done that. And Lord, it's, it's too much for us to bear. Lord, we've, we've got our lists. We've got our lists of hurts. We've got our lists of pains. We've got our lists of, of everything that's happened to us that was unfair, that was, was just wrong. We come to You. We come to the cross. We come to that moment when with Hands nailed, with feet nailed, blood pouring out of your son's body. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, that's, that's our only hope. That's the only thing we have to go on. Lord, we, we can't demand of other people what we can't find in ourselves. There's people who have hurt us, and we, we demand that they pay. We demand that they that they deal with with exactly how badly we've been hurt. If we're going to cling to the blood of Jesus Christ, if we're going to cling to His sacrifice, then we have to offer that to them as well. So for my brothers and sisters here today, I just pray for Your grace, for that grace that saved them to overpower them and to fill them with the same forgiveness that they've received. Lord, we can't do that on our own. We're not that good. Can only do that because of the gift that you offer us through Jesus on the cross. We thank you for his perfect gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray.